Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Product Marketing Life podcast, which is brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name's Bryony Pace, and I'm the Content Manager here at PMA. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Product Marketing Festival. For those of you who haven't heard about it yet, it'll be coming to a screen near you between June 8th and June 14th, and we'll be featuring headline acts from companies like Amazon, Uber, Adobe, and Facebook, talking about everything from research all the way through to optimization. To get your ticket, just head over to the site, festival.productmarketingalliance.com. As part of this series, we're connecting with product marketers all over the world about topics they're super passionate about. And in this episode, we'll be speaking to Aaron Brennan, the Director of Product Marketing at Airslate, about active users. Aaron's been at Airslate since December 2018, and before that, he held director-level positions at LogMeIn and Help Lightning. Going back to 2011 to 2014, he also spent a little over three years as a company you might have heard of, Google. And for anyone who missed it, he was also featured in our Top 50 Product Marketing Influencers of 2019 report at the end of last year. Congrats again for that, Aaron. Anyway, enough from me. First off, welcome to the show, Aaron. And secondly, could I get you to please give everyone a bit of an introduction to you, your role, and then the company Airslate? Yeah, of course. Um, so I am the director of product marketing at Airslate. Um, we are a business processing and workflow automation company mm-hmm. um, and also uh, host uh, own two other products, uh, which are Sign Now, which is the number two e-signature worldwide, um, as well as PDF Filler, which is a online PDF editing tool um, mm-hmm. product that you can just upload PDFs and fill and, and send them off without having to print, scan, and all that other stuff. Um, so AirSlate was just launched in October, um, and we're very excited for, for what we launched, and we've seen some great, uh, uh, you know, interest from it as well as some great usage from it and use cases and things like that, uh, you know, since then. But, you know, we, we focus uh, on all our products just as equally, but AirSlate's the, the brand new one that just rolled out. Um, as far as my background, um, I have previous experience with uh, LogMeIn launching products like GlassPass um, uh, and LogMeIn Central and LogMeIn Pro, um, as well as um, launching Google Plus and Google Glass. And then what does your team at AirSlate look like? Uh, so currently I have uh, one team member um, underneath me as well as one sales enablement person that rolls into me. Um, the goal is right now to hire two other product marketing managers. So uh, the way that I typically set up my teams at um, at companies, depending on the size of the product, um, is at least one product marketing manager per product. Um, and then underneath them, a sales enablement manager that focuses on uh, working with the sales team, enabling the sales team. Um, and the product marketer is really focused on being uh, product experts. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And then moving on to active users. So for anyone who's new to the topic, could you just please give us a bit of an overview of what active users actually are? Yeah, so uh, active users is a little bit of a loaded question um, because it depends on what kind of product you're talking about. Um, but active users are people that are actively using it within your product um, on a defined uh, basis that you put into. Um, so, and for instance, for instance, an exa- uh, an active user for us um, is somebody who logs in twice a week 
um, you know, to the product and does one of the following actions, either uh, sends out a form to be filled out, either edits a flow that they've already created, um, you know, adds a team member to their workspace, pretty much almost any kind of function within that, that, that kind of would create, you know, building and engaging with the product itself. Um, for a product like LastPass, our active users were daily. Um, we were expecting uh, the daily usage to be high, so it was anybody that logged in every day um, and did a series of actions, um, and we wanted them to do multiple things like save a password, share a password, uh, log into a site, and so it was a multiple things that happened at the same time. Um, so really, it's the definition of how you describe it, but the crux and the core of what that is um, is somebody that logs in and is active using the product daily. And are active users something that you're measured on in terms of KPIs? Um, it is something that, that, that we're measured on in, in, in the form of KPIs. Um, we call them OKRs, um, is driving active usage. Um, so for us, it's, it's making sure that people are coming in using the product, re-engaging with people that fell off, uh, making sure they're using the product, becoming active every single day. And then in terms of actually measuring those active users, how do you do that and what sort of tools do you use? Yeah, so that gets that gets that gets super hard, um, especially when you get to a product that's uh, critical mass. You're losing and gaining people every day. Um, so we actually t- typically at almost every company that I've been at, we end up building out a dashboard, um, either using Tableau or um, Google Analytics, um, or we build our own dashboard from scratch. Um, where we have a, a view into what's happening. So we can see new users that are becoming active on, over a rolling 28-day basis, um, you know, people who have lost and come back. Um, and then we also have an active usage on uh, what we call deepening product adoption, where, which really focuses on um, even if these users are coming back, how many of them, what's the percentage of them that are actually going deeper into their into the product and learning more and becoming experts. Um, we want to make sure that customer journey, you know, from I don't know what the product is into the product keeps going. So their journey keeps getting deeper and deeper in how the product works, how they can use it, different ways they can use it, um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then in many ways, I guess measuring active users is much easier for B2B SaaS companies than, for example, those in B2C consumer goods. Is there any way the concept can sort of be applied to those sort of setups? So, for example, a B2C consumer goods product marketer, could they class an active user as someone who, I don't know, reorders a box of the month every month? Yeah, that is that is definitely one way to do it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, all, it's always a lot easier when you have access to uh, the person and what they're doing. So, you know, like you said, in, you know, in an app based culture where, you know, you can see people logging in, you, you have traction, you can see what they're doing within the app. Um, and you can track how that works on a daily basis. It's a lot easier. Um, but there are those, those functions like, uh, you know, delivery boxes and things like that. Um, as well as, you know, on-prem, you know, products or, or, or thin clients that are on, on a computer that you don't always have access to. Uh, the data that you're grabbing from them, uh, that is always a great way to find out. So the first level of that is obviously, did they renew or did they continue getting the box um, or, you know, the, the thin client or whatever you were working with. Um, the next way that we did this, and, and I did this at an old company where we did an on-prem service, um, we started doing monthly surveys to segments of the users um, that we thought was um, 
that we thought was reasonable. Um, asking them, you know, how many times do you log in a week? You know, what features and functions do you use? Um, and so we started gathering surveys uh, that would say what our active users are about. And when those would come back, we didn't get to do them as, as regularly as we would want, like every day. Um, but, you know, about once a month, um, we would then realign what our numbers were from an active user standpoint. Mm-hmm. And if someone's listening right now who's sort of in the process of setting up or reviewing those parameters for active users, what would be your do's and don'ts for them? Oh, boy. Um, the, do, the do's would be, you know, uh, make sure you define what an active user is. Um, and don't define your active user based off of somebody else's metrics. Um, what I've seen a lot of people do before is like, oh, well, Amazon has this as an active user, um, or I've, I know what an active user is at this, at this company, or, you know, or this is how I use Google, right? Um, you really have to look at your product and define it. Um, and that's always the first step, um, being honest. Is this a product that somebody would log into every day? Is this a product that somebody, you know, logs in once a week? Is this a product somebody will logs into uh, once a month, right? And what are the key, f- and then uh, defining what are the key functions and features that need to happen in order to somebody, someone to have be an active user, mm-hmm. you know? So if somebody logs in and just, um, you know, checks out their profile but doesn't actually do anything um, in, in AirSlate, we don't actually count them as an active user. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually actually have actually have to do something um so that would be the first thing that i would say suggest to do um the second the second piece is you know how do you want to drive people to be more active users right um how do they come in and how do they do that um would be the second piece that i i would suggest doing um as far as the don'ts uh you know i think you kind of heard my don't uh of you know don't classify it based off of somebody else right like Mm -hmm. classify it uh, based off the expectations that you think the user will come in. Um, don't stay rigid in your definition of an active user. Um, your your active user will change over time uh, as the product evolves, as your expectations of the product evolve, um, as your customers get more used to the product. Um, an active user will change. Make sure that you're always looking at that definition and changing it as the product continues to move forward. Um, those would be probably like four biggest things that you need to pay attention to. Um, and in terms of those definitions changing, would you say is that something you look at periodically or it's something you just constantly kind of keeping on top of? And then to give people an idea, how many times either in LastPass or in AirSlate has your definition of active users changed? Um, so within LastPass, we changed. Uh, so let me let me step back. I'll, I'll answer that question a little differently. Um, so, you know, as far as like kind of how often you, uh, need to change your active user, uh, definition, it's not set in stone. Um, but I typically am on the, the, the cycle of every other quarter. I check my definition of an active user. Um, I check the measurements to see, okay, is the measurement, are the measurements correct in this active user and how do they actually um, how do they actually do it, right? Are they doing what we want them to do? Um, and so, you know, from that standpoint, you know, not every quarter do I have to, every, not every other quarter do I have to change the definition, um, but I'm getting a sense of the pulse of like, okay, we're still on the right track, I'm not seeing any changes or anything like that. Um, 
when we did have to change them, yes, we had to change them at, um, you know, last pass once, um, where, where our expectations of, uh, active users, uh, active new users changed. Um, we were bringing people through a customer journey, um, and the first journey was very rigid where we just wanted them to do, um, you know, log in and do one thing. Um, but we made changes to the product so much that, uh, we couldn't count them as active as they came in and did that one thing anymore because the customer journey had actually changed so much. So we actually had to redesign our whole front end onboarding system. Um, how we place ads, how we uh, position the product, um, and how we did everything to align to the, to the newest customer journey, uh, to then redefine active usage so that we were being honest with ourselves, uh, about the metric. So if we had stayed with our old definition, our metrics would have been super high, but we wouldn't have been honest with ourselves that these were actually active users uh, based on what they were doing um, because we had to make the change to the product so much. Mm-hmm. And then when you're changing those definitions of active users, what does that process look like and kind of who did you need to communicate it with and what sort of steps are involved? Yeah, so that's a that's that's a great question. You know, the thing that I love about product marketing um, is the cross-functional basis of it. Um, so when I'm working with uh, my team and my expectation of my team, it's that um, we work cross-functionally across teams and we collaborate with those teams and we set the clear guidelines and expectations um, of what the customer journey looks like in order to make people an active user. So, you know, for us, when I typically am looking at this stuff, um, I'm looking at it weekly just as a track change with my uh, product management t- uh peer um so typically we sit down and we say like okay how does this look does this look exactly how we want it to look um do we want to make a change to anything so when we get to that point where we want to sit down and look at it um you know typically the product manager goes off and he looks at uh you know the numbers and the definition and says uh, okay do we feel that this is the right one i go off in another corner and i look at at it by myself and then we come together and we actually talk and say Okay, what are our feelings on this? Um, sometimes an argument ensues and says, you know, we need to change it or we don't need to change it. Um, but ultimately, after that meeting, we decide whether this definition actually gets changed or not. Um, once we change the definition of active users, um, typically uh, the product, my product managers will go off and they will work with the engineering team as long as with, <clears throat> with the user experience team. Um, and then I will go off and work with sort of the marketing team, the customer support, the customer success team. Um, excuse me, customer support team, um, or sometimes we'll call them all together um, and say, this is the new definition, and then we will work with those teams to uh, facilitate building out um, the customer journey on either side in order to uh, you know, move forward the new definition. Okay, that's great. Thank you for that. And then what kind of tactics do you employ at AirSlate to ensure new and old customers stay active? And then are you able to share some case studies and results with us around that? Yeah, so since AirSlate is still such a new product, um, you know, we haven't, we haven't run into the problem of, 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 of creating active users out of, uh, you know, old users and keeping old users active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have done a, a similar thing within PDF Filler where we've started to, um, get an understanding of, you know, how other people are using the products and, um, sharing those case studies with, with our users. Um, so, for example, um, you know, one of our users um, was using it to integrate with Zapier. 
um, and he was using it to auto, uh, to automatically fill out a lot of forms uh, through information that Zapier was plugged into in order to uh, automate, you know, a lot of the functions across his cake making business, um, which was really cool and kind of interesting for us. For PDF filler, it's really just a single use. Like I use this and then I send it to one person rather than pulling in information from everywhere and automating, automating it to other places. Um, for an SMB, because typically it's on the SMB side. <clears throat> so for us, we created a use case and, and uh, you know, wrote it up and created a nice little visual for it um, and ended up sending it out to um, to other PDF users that kind of looked like the same uh, user as the cake maker. Um, it was really exciting for us because, uh, you know, we saw other people start to engage with PDF filler a little differently after we sent out that, that email. Um, you know, what we find and what I found over my career um, is that most people will use a product the exact way that they use it and they will continue to use it the same way over and over and over again. Um, and it isn't until you actually start to position them new in different ways that other users are starting to use the product that they start to get creative in how they use the product in different ways, right? And how they position it in different ways. Um, you know, I always think of, you know, technology as a tool. Um, and you can use it in many different ways. Uh, so, for example, in an analogy, uh, you know, a, a screwdriver not only screws in a screw, but it can open a paint can, right? Mm-hmm. If you didn't use it for something else, you would never know. And if you never saw what else it could do and looked at it as a tool that continued to do other things, you would never realize it. I view our technologies as very similar sort of things, um, but I need to show people that there are other uses for it and get them creative and thinking of, how else can I use this product in my life? Mm-hmm. And then in terms of those tactics, how much, if at all, do you segment them? Um, it, de- it depends on the use case and, and who and who we're sort of uh, positioning that to. Um, so when I'm working with B2C clients, typically I don't segment them at all. Um, you know, I really try to, you know, do a wide swath and say, like, look at all the other ways that everybody else is using this. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when I was at Google, we ran a study that was really interesting um, where if we showed one view of one way to do something, um, they typically use the product to do just one that one thing over and over again. Uh, very similar to the screwdriver. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if we showed them, you know, at least three different ways that, that you could use the tool, uh, they would typically start thinking of multiple ways that they could use the tool in their life rather than just one which is really exciting. So for us from the B2C side, I typically try to show them as many ways as they can because I want them to get creative, see how many different spots they can actually put that into. Uh, when I'm getting onto the B2B side, typically I try to segment those users based off of uh, functions that look similar, you know, so similar size companies, uh, similar usage companies, similar, you know, things like that. Um, and then I segment use cases to those uh, people based off of those particular functions. Um, the other thing that I typically do is I work very closely with the product management team um, in order to suggest features and functions um, for those users. So, you know, we segment out those user groups to say, like, oh, other people are also using this feature. Try using that. Have you tried using this? Um, you know, and we segment people out that way. Um, we typically do a similar thing on the B2C side where we segment people on usage based and suggesting features um, within the product based off of, um, you know, 
to similar types of use that people are doing it, um, but pulling them deeper into the product. But from a use case perspective, when we talk about use cases, we, we segment on the B2B side, but we don't like segment on the B2C. Okay, cool. Thank you. And then what are the most common mistakes you see or maybe read about when it comes to measuring and optimizing active users? Oh, boy. Um, you know, the the biggest one I see um, is is rev is and I, I I'm not a, I'm not opposed to money. I, I had an old manager that said I, I hated money, but that's not true at all. I, I really I'm OK with money and I'm, I like making money. I promise everybody out there. Um, but revenue is the one that, you know, uh, I see people uh, mistaking for active usage all the time. Um, so, you know, it's guiding people to a point or to a paywall or to, um, you know, some sort of hindrance where they have to pay in order to get across and into that active user mode. Um, you know, people will buy if there's good value. Right. And people will buy if they see, uh, you know, great things within the product and it's a good experience. Um, you know, but if you focus on the revenue part before the active user part, um, you typically see active usage actually go down um, because then you start optimizing for running people into walls um, and not running people into uh, great experiences that will get them to pay and also become lifetime customers. Uh, so for, for me, that's, that's probably the biggest mistake I, pe- I see people make, um, is saying like, well, they're, they're, you know, they're not active until they're paying us. So nobody counts in a free trial, um, you know, and things like that. But like the problem is, is if they're not active users, they're not going to pay you. Um, you know, mm-hmm. revenue, co- revenue comes from something, which is typically active use. Yeah. And is that something you think, or is there anything you've struggled with in the past? getting that buy-in to look at the active users before their revenue? Because I guess sometimes other departments outside of product marketing might be focusing on the revenue, whereas product marketing is trying to focus on the active users, and there's a bit of a clash there. Yeah, and I would, and I would say that, you know, some, some product marketing functions are very focused on revenue too, um, you know, and, and yes, I, I think it's very hard. Um, you know, if you look at any goals of any organization or any company, you know, if you're looking for, you know, what they're trying to do, they're trying to drive revenue, right? And they're trying to drive business, um, which is good. You you need to drive revenue and you need to drive business, um, but that needs to come from something, right? And so oftentimes what a lot of people are held to are standards of revenue, especially when it comes to sales teams, uh, marketing teams, um, you know, customer success teams, right? If you're looking for, for add-ons and buy-ins and stuff like that. So for us, it becomes a very hard conversation, and this is where you have to ask people to be very honest with themselves uh, across the company to say, like, well, what makes people buy, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's usually a, a very long, drawn-out um, sort of conversation that, you know, you need to keep banging on that drum that active users, you know, active usage and, and active users and, and is what drives real value and what makes people pay. Um, in order to get people to to buy into that. Yeah. And then I guess we've sort of touched on them throughout already, but if you had to narrow it down to a few points, what would you say the core benefits of active users are? Oh, boy. Uh, so core benefits of active users, um, active users lead to revenue. So that's a really easy one. So that's one of the, the main core benefits. Um, for us, uh, the second piece is active users leads to 
uh, more customer success stories. This leads to more uh, information and analytics of how people are using the, the product. Um, my product marketers are typically uh, very in tune with the analytics and the pulse of what's going on. Um, and so by having more users, it gives us a, a greater sense of what's happening in the market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can see trends quicker. We can uh, pick up on what's happening. We can see, you know, what makes people do things, what makes people not do things. Um, um, and then lastly, um, you know, the third thing is, uh, you know, active users give me a better customer customer journey and a customer story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a product marketing manager, um, your job is to build, you know, be the voice of the customer. Um, and build those customer journeys and really say what the value is uh, by having more active users. It really gives you more of a sense of, you know, what is their journey mm-hmm. and how do, you know, what is the value that they get out of this, um, which gives you a better, you know, a better position when you have to position, you know, what that story is and how you're going to be positioning it to the company um, across the board when you have more numbers and say, like, look, we have this many users and this many of them are active and they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so really driving active users gives us a, a better ammunition uh, to be better product marketers. Yeah. And then you mentioned customer success stories there. Do you kind of directly correlate your active user analytics to say client X is like a heavy active user? We'll approach them for a case study. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, when, when we see people that are really active users and doing and, and becoming de- and deepening their product adoption, we we really go after them and and want to understand their cases and use use them for case studies. Um, we also use them a lot for product feedback, um, you know, and things like that. What's what's interesting uh, about us is uh, typically the the products that I've worked on, we've actually segmented our users, um, our active users, into certain bucks, buckets, um, and usually we would call them lax users, novice users, power users. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal is is to pull people from a lax user to a novice user to a power user, right? That deepening product adoption mm-hmm. piece. Um, so for us, when the, pe- the higher that we drive our power user numbers, um, those people we go after um, for product feedback, for um, case studies and things like that, and they, they're they very great at it. Mm-hmm. And then I guess inactive users are somewhat of a given in any company too, but what approaches do you take or would you take um, to turn inactive users back into active users? <clears throat> yeah, so it's always it's always easier keeping a user than turning a uh, an inactive user back to active. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so there's a series of things that we do, um, you know, that help drive that. So um, one of those is typically um, studies into what made them inactive. So, you know, we send out a series of surveys if there's product features and functions um, that were missing for them or that weren't great or they had a bad experience. We then, um, you know, we then work on those on the roadmap. And when those come out, we actually invite them back into the product. So piece one is, is understanding why they dropped out. Um, piece two is, is understanding that um, if it's product, we, we, we pull them in. Um, piece three would be, you know, understanding that, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, they just don't understand the value of it. Um, so as we change messaging, as we go through cycles of, of, of changing the definition of users, as we, you know, understand the, de- change the definition of, what the product positioning is, what the messaging is, and what the value comes out of it. Um, we will tr- sometimes try to re-engage them through um, email, SMS, um, sometimes in-app um, or, or push notifications through apps. 
um, to get them going. Uh, this is really kind of an art and a science at the same time, um, because you don't want to overload them and say like every quarter send them a message, but, uh, really have an understanding of why those users dropped out and have a plan to get them reengaged. Yep. And then just looking at those surveys that you said you sent um, to kind of find out why they became inactive, do you struggle getting response rates for those or how does that sort of work and do you incentivize those surveys? Um, yeah, so typically we incentivize the surveys through either an Amazon gift card or raffle for, um, you know, an iPad or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. We determine that um, if it's in if it's in the budget and we can actually get that done. It depends on what's in the budget for it. Um, sometimes we just send out surveys and see what the response rate comes back as. Um, and then if we don't get the response rate that we want, we wait a couple months and then we send out the one with yeah. the gift uh, attached to it. So, but typically we try to attach something um, for their time. Um, you know, it's, and you know, what's even better is if they offer to get on the phone with us, um, that's even, that's even much better. So, you know, typically during that survey, we say, would you be interested in a call with us? Um, you know, don't worry, we're not trying to sell you anything. You know, one of the great pieces about being in product marketing um, is you're not, you're not held to a sales number. So, you know, you can hop on a phone with somebody and they're not going to think that you're going to, yeah, hard, you know, push them to buy again. So, mm-hmm. and then we talked about the definition of active users at the start. Do you define inactive or lost users at Airslate? And then what does that definition look like? Yeah, so <clears throat> so we do look at inactive and lost um, as two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we define those things at the very beginning. What is an inactive user, right? And so at last pass, it was somebody who hadn't logged in in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we kept them as inactive for four months and then we considered them lost after that. Um, so if we couldn't get them back within four months, we considered them lost and that they wouldn't be coming back. Um, <clears throat> for AirSlate, we, it's a much longer ramp. So we would consider you inactive after a month, um, instead of just two weeks. Um, and we would, uh, consider you lost after a year. Okay. Then I guess are these definitions that are constantly changing as well? Constantly changing, right? And it's it, it's very much looking at the product and looking how the users use the product and their expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying you know that we that we look at you know in order to make sure that we're we're looking at things the right way. Yep, that's right. And then final question: If any product marketers are listening to this and sort of they're 100% sold on active users and the importance of them, but they're just struggling to get buy-in from the wider business. What would your advice to them be and what can they say or do to get that support? Yeah, so that's a good question. So getting buy-in is, is typically very difficult. Um, the way that I've typically gotten buy-in at all my companies so far um, is, you know, the most important voice in any company is the customer. Um, so getting understanding from those customers, reach out and talk to your customers. As a product marketer, you should be talking to your customers weekly. Um, you know, getting that understanding that driving their value is extremely important, um, will make your, you know, executive teams and things like that buy in. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they will always listen to the customer. So, you know, use your customers to your advantage. They'll talk about how active usage will make their retention better, will make, will, um, talk about how it'll make them convert more if they see the value, um, you know, things like that. So, you know. That's use your customers to your best best advantage. 
Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for taking some time out today to answer these questions, Aaron. It's been really nice speaking to you. Yeah, thank you. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show to speak about your day, a specific topic, or just your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.